Hey everybody and welcome to part eight of the Metric Minute brought to you by Vault Performance. I'm Kareem Jakawi and today we'll examine the overall eccentric phase. This episode is a little denser but understanding the concepts will really pay off. So let's go. A counter movement jump always starts with the athlete standing upright at zero velocity. This gentleman has a mass that's being pulled down by gravity to constant force. In this case, a thousand newtons or roughly 225 pounds. Since he's pushing into the ground with an equal but opposite force, they're in balance and he stands still. To initiate his descent for the jump, he pulls away from the ground slightly and coils downward. Doing so changes the force balance like a seesaw. Since gravity is now larger, he accelerates downward. He will continue to accelerate downward until he passes this point of maximum eccentric velocity. His force output increases over time and decelerates his body until he's at zero velocity again, but this time at the bottom of his squat. He started at zero velocity, went into impulse debt to build speed, then had to go above and beyond body weight to return to zero velocity. However, he's now loaded elastically and ready to triple extend. These two impulses will always be equal. To summarize these concepts, a powerful explosive athlete will display an aggressive unloading phase, which will require them to hit the brakes hard and fast. This check mark is highly beneficial because they can achieve huge forces at zero velocity in minimal time, both of which are desirable athletic traits we discussed in previous episodes. Now this drawn out approach here appears in numerous situations, including heavier athletes who smartly choose to avoid exponential spikes in force, those who don't have sufficient braking power or strength to handle high rates of force development, as well as injured or perhaps fatigued individuals. There are other concepts to discuss, but this is a great starting point. Tune in next time to learn more about the connection between the eccentric and concentric phases. Until then, please feel free to reach out to myself or any of my colleagues at Vald. Thank you. The world of strength and conditioning is filled with some awesome practitioners who are always trying to evolve and continue to grow professionally throughout their career. The problem with many of us, though, is finding a new outlet, a new way and a new perspective on the questions that we may have, whether it be programming, whether it be situational with dealing with coaches, or whether it be career advice. Because all too often what happens is we get stuck in with the same group of friends and the same group of colleagues that we reach out to for advice repeatedly over and over again. But what we should really be looking for is different perspectives, different people who have been through different situations who can help us make better decisions both for ourselves and our athletes. And one awesome place to start with that is the forums in the Strength Coach Network. In the forums in the Strength Coach Network, you'll be able to reach out and get feedback, input, and advice from coaches from all over the world from everything from career advice to training modalities to programming, there's people there just for the same reason as you are, to try to get better, to learn, to share information, and to grow the field of strength and conditioning. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS, that's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash C-V-A-S-P-S, to dive into all that great content today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Jay DeMayo coming at you with this week's edition of My Thoughts Monday. As I'm out for a walk with the Sochi, I'd uh, like to share some thoughts and some strategies that we're using when it comes to individualizing the program uh, for, for the athletes that we get to work with when we're looking at it in this general physical preparation phase. And I think that this is something where there's been a bit of disconnect. I think that when we look at programming, right, that what we get kind of hamstrung by is we look at it as, you know, the global needs analysis and 
what are the big things that need to be accomplished and looked at. And then we kind of try to put everybody into that bucket. Now, we've talked about buckets. People have talked about looking at different things and, and programming in that sense. Today, I want to I share a few different ways that we're going to individualize the program while we keep that sort of team setting. While we keep that, um, the group environment and it's, everyone is doing the same thing, so to speak, but people may be doing things differently. So the first of that, right, is to go back and to look at your why. Like I talked about last week in My Thoughts Monday. You know, what is, what is the why to what you're doing? What is the why to your overall programming? And how does that why impact this individual person, right? Like we talked about the ideas of Achilles tendon uh, ruptures and how those increased and how that impacted some of the training programming and some of the, um, some of the progressions that we're implementing with these young people this coming off season. We also talked about the patellofemoral issues that are pretty much a constant when it comes to people in the world of college basketball. Well, that just leads to the simple question here, right? If you do not have patellofemoral issues, are you a person that needs to do exercises around that situation? Now, some would say, yeah, prehab's important, and you'd be right. But some would say, maybe you could do other exercises that could allow you to do things more beneficial to you. Or maybe there are different things that you could be a little bit more advanced in because you don't have the you know tendinopathy or whatever that these other individuals have. So looking at it in that sense and defining what is important in your program is step one to allow you to plug and play in different situations. The second is having progressions and regressions based on the ability of the athlete and the athlete's skill set in the weight room. You know, we, we love to talk about how every day is a screen, right? How every day we are looking at, you know, how they move and what they're doing and this, that, and the third. Well, if we are setting up our programs accordingly and we're paying attention to what they're doing, then we should be able to have simple progressions and regressions to allow the athletes to continue to adapt. For example, you know, over the last month, we've shared some of our starting points in this summer's one by 20. And then last week, we started sharing some of these options after the second week. Because I don't think that what you do is you sit there and you look at them once, and you're like, they do a couple reps, you're like, oh, you obviously can't do that. I do think you need to let them try to figure it out. I do think putting them in the situation and allowing them to train and allowing them to work through it and allowing them to feel their way through these exercises, they may, in three, four, five sessions, figure things out. They may get really good at it. They may be able to keep moving forward. But now you can look at that exercise after a few times, right? A week or so. And you could say, okay, is this the right exercise? Yes or no? Do they need to change this exercise? Right? Like, so let's say in this example that it took, when we look at like the Z press, it took an athlete four lifts to be able to actually 
come all the way down, bring the bar below their chin, and finish all the way up, spine perpendicular to the floor, biceps next to their ears, head pushed through like the whole nine yards to do the rep perfectly. Well, that individual probably doesn't need to change things at that point because they've just started to be able to perform it correctly. They've just figured it out. There may be another individual who they got a hard time bringing the bar below their chin or they can't quite finish without leaning back. Well, maybe then you need a regression. You've given them some time to try to figure it out. It's like, hey, you know what? We could do this exercise or that exercise instead. We can do this exercise that could help you work on your T-spine mobility, you know, and still get you pressing. Or we could do this exercise because we can work on stability through this range or whatever it may be, right? And then it's just about having a conversation with the athlete and figuring out that direction. So with that, having progressions and regressions allows you to take a step back and have a conversation based on what they are, you know, really good at and having success with and what they may be having a hard time with. Because when you can identify those and you have some preset options that you can show them, well, now you can get them right into things. And now, even though they're doing something different, A, they don't feel alienated because everyone understands why they're doing that. And B, now that you've shared with them the why to what you're doing and given them the actual understanding of the programming decision, you've got to have better buy-in, right? You've got to have them believe that you're out for their best interest and they've got to understand that you're doing things to make sure that they're successful or at least you'd hope right and then the third kind of strategy that we're going to use when it comes to implementing different alterations to the exercise is based on the evaluations that we're utilizing when you're looking at things that the athlete is having success with or is challenged by that leads to discussions. The first discussion is simply, does it matter, right? Does it matter to how you play? For example, does maximal strength have an impact in how a smaller guard would play the game of basketball? I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But I do know this. When you sit there and you listen to what their why is with it, and you sit there and you listen to them talk about how they play and what's important. And then you have the conversation with them and provide the information that you now have. And you can say, hey, listen, so the numbers say X. If we work on Y, it could help this get better. So maybe we should do Z instead of this. You then have an open book, an open dialogue where they can even contribute and say, hey, that's a good idea, but I don't know how important that is to my game because of A. So maybe we should work on B instead. Okay, because here's the thing, at the end of the day, you're not sacrificing everything you're doing for them based on what they're saying. You're giving up one or two exercises to provide them input, to provide them with a bit of say, and to provide them with a bit of ownership over what they're doing. So. When we're looking at this in a world where we want to have teams working together, right? It's important for team culture, whatever that may mean. It's important for camaraderie. It's important for bonding. It's important for the entire structure of the team organization, for them to work together, for them to go through things together, 
we know that helps bring the group together better. But with that in mind, if we have our whys established and they understand them, and we can look at the program and evolve based on those, if we have our progressions and regressions set so that whatever exercises they may not be as successful at, we can alter so that we can help them continue to improve without alienating them, excuse me, or three, when we sit there and we talk about what our measurables are, we can show them what's important, what may not be important, and get their feedback as to how it fits in their game and how it could help them or maybe not help them and come together with some great ideas as to how to progress. Now, all of this starts, right, with having some form of basic program that you work off of, and that's where the team fits in. So we have our basic program, or some people like to call them templates, that we're going to start with. And from there, week by week, plug and play some things and start to evolve. But would love to hear how you guys are doing this. How are you individualizing for your athletes in a field where what we want to do is have camaraderie, in a field where what we want to do is have them working together and really doing the same thing more often than not? Because I'd love to hear how you guys are doing this, successes, failures if you have them, or ways that you would change what you've done in the past. Because at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is what's best for the group that we get to work with. And that starts with doing what's best for the individual and working our way out. So... Would love to hear your thoughts, pros, cons, whatever. And of course, as always, I truly appreciate everything y'all do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We'll be back next week with another My Thoughts Monday. I'll see you then.